Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. this morning man I just feel like doing this I don't know what that's all about but well last week we started a brand new uh, series called Rocky Revelations and, and those of you who weren't here we use this theme music because it kind of gets you in the mood man, you can have church on that theme music I don't know what that's about but uh, I spoke to you last week on the subject of pain I hope that if you were out on vacation uh, because of the weekend that it was, you had the opportunity to either watch online or went back and listen. And I told you some things about pain. I, if you'll remember, I told you that, uh, like it or not, pain is inevitable. And I also told you that pain is impartial, that it rains on the just and the unjust alike. And, and God, uh, in his ability to do it, can turn all that the enemy meant for bad. He can make it good. Amen. And so I talked to you about pain purifies us and it speaks to us. And so I told you this week that we were going to be very blessed to have a special guest with us that's lived through some pain. And so um, just as a little bit of background, about two and a half years ago, uh, our kids attended Bethany Elementary School. Uh, at that time, they did. And about two and a half years ago, uh, my oldest, Hal, uh, wanted to get into baseball. He had kind of left it behind and turned his attention towards basketball. And suddenly, he decided he wanted to play baseball. And uh, so I began to look around, and uh, the principal of the elementary school, his name is Tim Hawes, coaches a baseball team called the Broncos. That kind of fits since Bethany or the Bethany Broncos. I don't, I don't know. But anyway, uh, and so Tal began to play. And uh, during the course of that year, we got to be in relationship with an assistant coach who was going through some pain at that time and uh, just had a heart. Uh, you know, have you ever had your heart knit with somebody before just kind of instantly? Uh, I met this guy, and he's crazy, and he's intense. I kind of like that. I don't know what it is about intense passionate people. I can't figure that out, but uh, our hearts were kind of joined together and got to know them, and we have watched them journey through pain and have seen what God can do when people will allow God to do what he wants to do in their lives, and so we're very blessed this morning. Uh, I told the worship team, I'm not going to steal his thunder, but I will tell you in advance, I told the worship team this morning that John's story is sad, and you're probably going to shed some tears. And that's all right. But if you miss the triumph in the story, then we wasted our time this morning. And I know he feels that way. As hard as it is, I know he feels that way. So I want you to give a huge passion welcome to John Whitaker as he comes to share his story this morning. Well, well, well. Good morning, Passion Church. Uh, God is big, but I can assure you, the Lord has shown up at Northwest Expressway this morning. My word, uh, getting after it. Um, greetings, brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, I am a, uh, I'm a brother in Christ with you. You don't know me. Many of you have never seen me before, and you had no idea that you had such a good-looking, you know, devilishly handsome <laughs> other brother. Uh, <laughs> thank you, right there. Um, listen, thanks to Steve and Julie for giving me the invitation. Uh, thank you to the body, to passion. Uh, although you've known bits and pieces of our story, I know that there are uh, folks in this congregation that have been lifting us up in prayer before you even knew us, before you even knew me. Um, so thank you. Uh, I'm going to pray here real quick, and then we're going to get after it. Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness and thank you for putting people on this earth who are following your commands to give glory to you in all that they say and do that have passion for the message, for the good news in a world that is dying and is desperate. We have the answer. And Father, I just thank you for this group of people, for this church. I continue, I pray that you continue to bless them. And I pray right now, God, that uh, as we speak, uh, it's hard to muck up your words, man. And I pray right now that you just use my feet of clay to uh, be an effective vessel for the truth 
and for the message that you're going to bring to us today. Lord, you are so good. Thank you so much for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. And I just pray right now that you would bless this time in open ears and open hearts and open minds so that we can go out from this place and be effective witnesses for you and we can change this world that we live in. Amen. Okay, uh, let's get a couple ground rules straight real quick. I, I am not here because I am super Christian at all. Uh, I'm just a dude rocking a pair of flip-flops, and I happen to have the, uh, the microphone right now. Um, I am I, I'm just a regular dude. I got a quick temper. Uh, my language isn't always as it should be from time to time. Uh, I am difficult to live with, and my wife can attest to that. Um, she'll be here in, <laughs> I'm not that difficult. She'll be here for the second service. Uh, so <laughs> I'm not, I'm not that difficult. Um, I'm selfish, uh, and I struggle with the same things that many of you all struggle with. Uh, but God is good. God is good. Um, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about some things. Um, my son, Mitchell Whitaker, my firstborn, um, first son, only son, firstborn, uh, May 15th, 1997, born to me, my wife, me and my wife, Tracy, just a perfect kid. Uh, always, the kid was always work, even from the time he was born, 36 hours of labor, then a C-section, and he was a week late. Now, most of you are saying you needed to fire the doctor but that's how he arrived, you know. He, he liked where he was. He didn't want to come out. Uh, he uh, grew into just, uh, you know, as many of you look at your own kids, just a, uh, I, I wouldn't say he was perfect, but he's perfect for me. Um, I could tell from a young age that there were many things that uh, he was going to be good at and some things we'd have some challenges with. Um, we roll along, uh, roll along in life, and uh, you know, smart kid, good athlete, having having a good time. And um, about age eight, August eleventh, two thousand five, um, we'd noticed some things after a uh, really successful. Uh, that's my family right there. You can look them off. Actually, you know what? Did you guys know this monitor? Your pastor is actually watching a hunting and fishing show on this monitor while he's talking to you. <laughs> so you may be seeing like sermon notes. But, I mean, there's like a 10, yeah, there's like bass fishing going on on this. Anyway, that's my family. That's my wife, uh, Tracy. Uh, that's my son, Mitchell. That's my daughter, Meredith. Uh, that's me. Um, those photos actually, well, I'll talk a little bit, then I'll tell you about the significance of those pictures. So August 11th, 05, uh, at the age of eight, we'd noticed some issues with Mitchell. Uh, just soreness, not the usual energy that he normally had. And uh, going to the doctors, you know, and obviously when it's your kid, you're like, oh, Lord, please don't let it be serious, you know. Oh, Lord, don't let it be serious. And I can distinctly remember being in a little doctor's office down at OU Medical Center uh, with Tracy and Mitchell and I, and we're there with the doctor, and they're trying to determine is it juvenile rheumatoid arthritis or is it leukemia? Because symptomatically, they both look very similar through a couple of different tests. Hey, we think it's juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And I remember breaking down and just bawling in that room. Thank you, Lord. It's not cancer. It's not leukemia. All right. Woohoo. Well, it was cancer. Uh, and so on August 11th, 05, uh, he's diagnosed with uh, leukemia, and the next day we're in the hospital. And so this journey, away we go. Uh, I know pain. Uh, that treatment for kids, uh, many of the things they have to do when they determine the, uh, the amount of disease in their bone marrow, they've got to do what's called a bone marrow aspiration. So I take a needle as this mic and they'll stick it in the back it, this is the best place to get it with kids just their hip bone all the way down through the bone to where they can pull the marrow out and determine what level of disease is in there um, 
you can get enough sedation in a kid where they won't remember it, but you can't sedate them enough to where they don't feel it. So you go through about 15 of those with your child throughout and seeing the anxiety and everything, and uh, it's enough at times to make you question when you watch your child suffer, and there's nothing you can do about it, and it's got to be done. Um, so lots of treatment. November 05, um, we finally get Mitchell into remission, which actually uh, a normal course of treatment, you're hoping to get a kid into remission, which all that means is just a current, there's cur no current state of disease in them. You've got a whole lot of treatment after that, but if we can treat someone for 30 days in most cases and they get to remission, that's a good thing. That wasn't our road. Uh, took us about 90 days plus before we could finally get there. Um, December 05 through January of 07, uh, continued hospital stays and treatment. Uh, trying times, but good, sometimes better than others. Um, and away we went. February 07 to July of 07. February 07, we were done with the hospital. All we had was maintenance chemotherapy left, which means we showed up at the clinic once a month to check his blood levels. Um, took stuff at the house, we were on our way. I'd taken a job in Austin, Texas. We were moving, dream job. We were rocking Team Whitaker, Tally Ho. Uh, February 07, dream job starts to crumble. Uh, moved back home, God's good. Found a new job in Tulsa, all right. We weren't moving to Austin, we're moving to Tulsa now. All right, sweet. Get home, life's great. Summertime, 07. He's still in a little bit of chemo, but he is as healthy as he's been in four years. He is dominating his baseball league. Uh, he is playing out of his mind, uh, driven, loving it, healthy. Everything's great. Uh, go through, um, search for a house, find a house. We've got a house, contract on a house in Owasso, getting ready to go there to move in August. August 11th, August 13th, 2007, relapse. Leukemia's back. Uh, and we knew we had to treat Mitchell so aggressively the first time around that if it ever came back, it was going to be, it was going to be challenging at best. And so the prognosis from there uh, was literally, okay, we got to figure out a way to get this kid healthy so we can get a bone marrow transplant. If that doesn't happen, he's probably going to be gone. So that was August 13th, 2007. Uh, and literally six weeks later, Mitchell, Mitchell's passed away, and he is in heaven with, uh, with the good Lord. Um, the significance of some of those like family pictures and even these that you see right now on your monitor, uh, which is just truly you know, a blessing, another way that God has just uh, blesses you is it captures him so well, but literally these, these pictures were taken 26, 27 days after this photo is taken, he's, no, he's in heaven. And so uh, it's just a, uh, it's one of those things where you look back on it and you're like, Lord, thank you so much. So uh, I know a little bit about pain. I know you guys talked about that last week. So who is Mitch? Firstborn, you know, great son. Uh, I, I want you all to know a little bit about the kid that you've been praying for. And let me stop on that picture for a second. You're all going to end up there someday, okay? That's all there is in this life. That's all this is, is a dress rehearsal for wherever we're going next. That's it. You got one choice to get right in this life. There's only one thing that matters. And all those things that we hold on to and all those things that we treasure and all those things that cause us anxiety and worry and while away our days, it ends up right there, every single one of you. And there's only one question that's going to get asked. It's that simple. We make life so complicated, and it's really that simple. That's awesome headstone, by the way. The, uh, what we'd, what we'd, it is, I mean, uh, you could tell, I mean, you, it's nice. Uh, the, uh, 
what's on there, but what I love about it is the fact that, uh, and I'll, I'll delve a little bit further into, into Mitchell, but those sentences that are on there, you know, uh, those are the things that I want to be known for, you know, son, brother, warrior, friend. You fought the good fight, and your influence will be measured in heaven. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Man, that's all I want to be known for. I don't want to be known for rocking flip-flops, you know, being devilishly handsome. All I, all I want to be known for is that my influence is one that has eternal significance for the kingdom of God. That's all I'll be measured by. So who is Mitchell? A um, couple of stories so you can uh, kind of understand. Uh, he was a, uh, a kind-hearted, considerate kid. Um, he must have gotten a lot of those qualities from his mother. Because truly, my wife Tracy is like the sweetest person that I know. She rounds off all the rough edges on me. Uh, a great illustration of that is... Uh, Mitchell, you know, popular kid in the school, and, you know, from the first grade on, there's a little classmate of his that's, you know, maybe on the margins, the awkward kid, you know, we'll call him Zach. Um, Tracy, heavily involved in class, so, you know, homeroom mom stuff. Hey, who, we're going on the field trip. This kid would never have anyone pick him. You know, everyone's got their group they're going to. Uh, Zach's parents were never there. They were never around. From day one, Mitchell, Zach, you can ride with us. Zach, you're with us. Zach, you come with my mom. That started in the first grade. So by the time you get to third grade, they're on another one of these field trips, and Zach, you know, is in the car, and the discussion is on birthdays. And uh, Zach makes the comment, um, you know, I, I don't even know why I have a birthday. I don't even know why I was even born. Now, this is coming from a third grader, which makes you wonder, what kind of brokenness is this kid hearing in his house? <laughs> My son, in his wisdom, uh, third grade. Zach, don't ever talk like that. God has a great purpose for your life. You're special. Uh, one of my more uh, prideful moments. Um, very competitive kid. Uh, good athlete, but the, most of that, I mean, he had a lot of athletic ability, um, but just fiercely competitive. Um, one of my favorite stories, he's pretty funny too, but he didn't mean to be. Um, we're on the way to class. Uh, I'm taking him to school. So I've got Mitchell in the front. Yeah, I know. I should have him in the back of the car seat. Spare me. But he's in the front, buckled up. Daughter in the back. And we're driving to Bethany. And literally, we see a Lamborghini drive by. I mean, how many Lamborghinis do you see? I mean, even with now having an NBA team, it's few and far between. And this is like 05 or, uh, yeah, early 05. And so we're headed to school just talking about school, you know, February and uh he just come off a game in a basketball league where he just dropped like 26 on this team, you know, at age eight. So he's feeling it. And uh, we see this car, and he's been playing a lot of Need for Speed on Xbox, so he's become a car aficionado. And he's like, that's a Lamborghini. I'm like, it is. And he's like, I'm going to get me one of those. And I'm like, dude, you get paid five bucks a week <laughs> for your allowance. <laughs> like, do you have any idea how much this car costs, and he's like, and he looks at me just straight up, and he's like, dude, I'm going straight to the NBA. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to get me one of those cars, and I'm going to get you one, and then I'm going to get me a big chain with an M on it, and I'm going to get Meredith one too. <laughs> so from the back seat, I've now got my daughter going, and I'm going to be a cash register girl, because that way I can have money all day long. <laughs> to which her brother always, you know, on point and logical goes, you can't just do that as if her idea is any crazier than his. My last words as I pulled up to the school was, hey, you both need to make sure you study hard, okay? <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, you can never play Monopoly with him and let him be the banker. 
uh, because he would always try a way, uh, try to find a way to win. I knew, uh, should our story not have ended with his life ending early, he had a career either on Wall Street as an attorney or in the IRS because at age six, he trades uh, with birthday money. His tra- he trades his sister a 20 for a one, telling her, you want to be number one, don't you? You want to be number one, don't you? Anyway, uh, it's beautiful, exactly. I'm getting an amen from Amen Corner over here. He knows what I'm talking about. That's right. Uh, You know, as far as other endeavors, um, even when he's in the hospital or or studying or um, not able to be with his classmates, all it would take to motivate Mitchell would be me just saying, hey, you know, someone's working hard. He's on it, you know. That photo, uh, which also ends up being on his uh, headstone, bad baseball games. Dad, let's go work. Dad, let's go work. He loved showtime. Loved showtime. Uh, he wanted to be prepared. He wanted to have the ball in his hands. Most importantly, Mitchell knew Christ. All the rest of that stuff's fun. I love this photo simply because from an early age, it's determination. And that look is so very much captured right there. If there was something that he set his mind to, uh, he would not be, uh, he wouldn't be stopped. So now you know a little bit about him. Uh, Let's talk, and you kind of know the overview of the story. So where I'm going to go with this, so I mean, you know the beginning and the end. You kind of know a little bit about the kid. You know a little bit about me. Um, If we're talking about pain, um, we made the good decision, and God blessed us with friends who had good enough sense to make us uh, have a blog while all this started. And so when Steve had talked to me about uh, visiting with you guys, I'm like, man, I already got the material. And what we'll do is I'm going to go through and I'll give you some passages from our darker days or really about the last 10 days of Mitchell's life as God was putting things on my heart that were there while it was fresh. So as we all go through trials, our hearts can be poured out. And then the scriptures that Christ had given me during those times. Um, But the fact is pain is a fact of life. Uh, Don't waste your time trying to figure out why and this is what God had told me September 14th 07 so this is a it's about a month after he relapsed and two weeks before he passed away and things were not looking that great for us and I write uh, how could we possibly understand the depth breadth and scope of his love and plans for us So why ask why? My demand to know why, listen, Christians, my demand to know why is superseded by God's love and Jesus' death on the cross. If God loves each each of us enough to give, give his own son so that we might have eternal life when we never deserved it, then he doesn't owe me, us, an explanation that we could not grasp that we could not grasp anyway. <laughs> I love Mitchell. I hate the fact that he's gone. I am comforted in the fact that he's in eternity and he does not miss me. It's literally like him walking through a door. There's no time passed on his end between he and I. So when he and I would have these conversations, and those are great conversations to have with your kid, Dad, am I going to die? Dad, am I going to die? And it ends up being... Hey, man, we all are going to die. <laughs> You're telling your kid this at eight. We're all going to die. And if this doesn't work out as I wanted, and if you go to be to Jesus, uh, go be with Jesus, I'm like, this is going to be great for you, but it's going to suck for me. <laughs> it's going to be a long time coming for me, but it's going to be great for you. But I love Mitchell. I wouldn't have given Mitchell for any of you. I wouldn't give him for Steve. 
I wouldn't have given them for Julie. I wouldn't have given them for Hoop. And I like them. They have redeeming qualities. You've got a Lord, you've got a God who gave his only son that he loved exponentially more than I could ever fathom loving Mitchell Graham Whitaker who gave his son not for the likable or for the redeeming but for every one of you for the for the ugly for the sinful for the dying for the lost if you can't grasp that and I can't and if I can't go there then why would I demand an explanation from that same God who has secured my eternity so it doesn't matter if your kid's got cancer and you're getting ready to lose a child. It doesn't matter if your finances stink, if you're about to lose a job, if you're in a marriage that's crumbling, if you're in a marriage you wish you weren't in. God is bigger. Christ is bigger. He's bigger than every circumstance you could ever see. And we like to make ourselves feel better by saying, oh, I can't even imagine. Boy, I'm glad I'm not like sister so-and-so. Man, I can't even imagine that. People with me all the time. And it's okay if you've done this. John, I can't even imagine losing a child. God is bigger. And if you were in my shoes and you have the same Christ in your heart that you do, you got that handled. Because God's got you. He always has. And he had you when the times were good. And he's got you when the times are bad. What the word says. So that's enough of me talking. Here's what God says about it. Do not fear for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you for I am your God. I will strengthen you and surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41.10. Exodus 14.13.14. That's a lot of numbers. Exodus 14.13.14. Moses answered the people. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. How many times do we, how much time do we spend spinning our wheels on how we're going to fix our problems? God isn't going to fix all your circumstances. God's got the answer for the circumstance you're in. God will fight for you. Be still and rely upon him. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Zephaniah 3.17. Romans 11.33. Come on now. Oh, the depth and the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his past beyond tracing out. Does he owe me an explanation? Oh, the depth and riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. In Job 23.10, he knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. My feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his way without turning aside. You can't screw up what God writes. Other things, other lessons learned. Christ provides peace in the midst of our suffering, even when our circumstances don't improve to our satisfaction. This is not the story I would have written. It's not my story. All these things that we spend time all day long saying are ours, it's, it's, a, it's a sickness. It's part of this world we live in. Our kids, my kids, my finances, my job. Brother, you don't have anything that's yours. Those kids aren't yours. That heartbeat ain't yours. There is not a single thing that's guaranteed. You are called to be a steward. Christ has created you to be a good steward of the very time that he's given you here. And everything that you come in contact with. I say Mitchell's my son because we've been trained to do so. The fact of the matter is... I'm a steward of that life. I'm a steward of Meredith's life while they're under my roof. Christ has called me to be accountable to him for that life while they're under my roof. Past that, 
It's on Christ. And I can't think of a better place to put my trust. September 17th and 18th. Things not getting better. Two-out rally <laughs> in a vicious circle we found ourselves in. Here's the problem we had, and this is actually what Mitchell actually passed away from. It wasn't leukemia. It was a fungal infection that was in his lungs. So you've got leukemia, so you've got immune system down. You're more susceptible to infection, fungal infection, which, I mean, it may have been just breathing the air in here, which there's nothing wrong with anyone who's got a, a healthy, regular immune system or a cough. But when you've got nothing to fight it with, and it gets into your system. Now we're try trying to fight leukemia with chemo, which kind of beats down some of those healthy cells. But we can't get the leukemia fixed to get the immune system in place to fight the fungal infection, and it's just going like this. Not improving. In pain, uh, September 18th was probably the last day that I really had Mitchell where I could communicate with him just regular where he wasn't sedated to the point where uh, it wasn't really him and the the night of September 18th was the worst night of my life the most pain I've ever had in my life it was worse than when he passed away it was worse when I buried him September 18th was the worst night of my life uh, we'd had a procedure three or four days earlier to drain half a liter of fluid off of his lungs so if you're a kid that weighs 65 pounds, <laughs> half a liter is a lot of fluid. Um, and he's there, and he's not getting better, and he's in pain, and I'm up with him every 30 or 45 minutes, and the medicine he's taking is going right through him. And he's been in bed, and he's weak, and I'm just, you know, exhorting him. Come on, I believe him. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. Come on, you got to get it. Can you stand up for me? I know you can do it. All right, let's go to the bathroom. I know you can do it. And he's in tears, and he's crying, and he's in pain. My son is in pain, and I can't fix it. And he looks at me when we make it back to the bed, and his, are, and his words are, I did it for you, Dad. I did it for you, Dad. <sighs> there is a... Another father and another son with a son on a cross in pain. So easy to reach down and fix it. And he could have fixed it. I couldn't fix anything. He could have fixed it. God could have fixed it. I did it for you, Dad, said Jesus, as he gave it all. I wrote on September 17th and 18th. I certainly have not given up hope that Mitchell can be fully healed and restored. However, God has not shown that the thousands of petitions sent his way for healing are in line with his will yet. I do not know what tomorrow holds, but I know that God has it well in hand and will provide for Mitchell and the rest of us. I don't know why, but I do know that he has called me to this very place, to this very child, in this very family, to proclaim him, Christ. And with Christ's continued strength and your continued prayers, I shall not be found lacking. In the middle of the pain, in the middle of the trial, in the middle of the suffering, I've never had more peace, I've never been more sure about where I'm supposed to be. Ever. And that's the Lord. All day. Every day. Right there. And through all this, when I say thousands of petitions that have gone up and through the blog and through other people, if the death of my son or the lessons that can be learned from the death of Mitchell or from anyone else can spur someone to action to make a decision to become a better influence. Hey, it's all good. Again, God doesn't owe me an explanation as to how he chooses to use the son that wasn't mine to begin with. <laughs> but literally, from those times, I had a choice on what I can do with my pain. I can focus on it, and I can become bitter, 
and I can, and trust me, my life is completely changed. Make no doubt about it. And I can walk away, and I can close up, and I will waste the opportunity to do the very thing that God created me to do to begin with, with an audience I never would have had had these events never taken place. So now the people that know Mitchell Whitaker, John Whitaker, are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people through the Internet. And I could just walk away, and this story would not end well, because that's an opportunity wasted. And you never know when you're going to get that chance in your life where you know you are the right person in the right time, in the right place, perfectly equipped by Christ. No one else can do what you can do, but you're going to find that time, and there's going to be that moment. My prayer for you is that you capitalize on it because you never know if you will ever get that chance again here's what the lord says therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need hebrews 4 16 the lord himself will go before you he will be with you he will not leave you or forget forget you deuteronomy 31 8 Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will direct your paths. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. <clears throat> they are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Lamentations 3, 21, 23. Romans 5, 3 and 4, we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. God, that right there is a verse for life. I mean, <laughs> it's going to happen. You're going to have to figure out how you're going to walk it. Christ has already shown the way. So the question then becomes, and I touched on this earlier, what, uh, you know, again, what in this life is truly yours? It's really, we need to ask ourselves that. Christ asks nothing less than all, all of us. Nothing more than stewards. September 20th through 24th, uh, we're down to our last drug for chemo. We're heading to uh, pediatric ICU with a ventilator. Heartbreaking conversations. Uh, some last words you know uh, when they when they take your son and they wheel him down to ICU and you know it's it's bad and in your mind as they're wheeling him away you're just like this is what it looks like this is the movie of my life this is what it looks like when they just wheel him and I lose him fade to black crumble I mean here it goes right here I remember being in the ICU, and we were there for two days while they tried to get him breathing better um, in hopes and going on no sleep. He was sleeping because he was kind of sedated, and I remember holding his head in my hands, and he's got this mask on so he can breathe. And I mean, I know it's, I mean, I'm not going to sell him short, but I know it's, it's headed towards being done. And I just tell them, you know, I tell the kid that I've spent my whole life saying, keep fighting, never quit. Whitakers don't quit. Fight, fight, fight. And you just hold him and you whisper in his ear, it's okay. It's okay. You've done it. You've done it. You've done it. Mitchell, listen. If when you sleep, if you see Christ, if you, if you see the light, go, go, go. It's okay. We're all right. We love you. We're proud of you. September 20th, we're down to our last drug for chemo. Buying time on a respirator in order to try and pinpoint the exact type of infection is actually damaging his lungs. 
I can tell you that I will always put my faith in Christ and my money on Mitchell. And so we shall fight until we have nothing left, not a breath, not a heartbeat. We shall never waver. That is a stock from which we are made and the legacy that we show you. If God chooses to heal Mitchell, it will indeed be a miracle. If not, then we shall give praise and thanks for the time we have gotten to spend with him. Either way, Mitchell wins. Either way, God reigns. September 22nd. Mitchell's chance for made full recovery are beyond bleak. His breathing difficulties continue to worsen and the infection is getting worse. We can't start chemo in this condition because he knows his body can't take it. Last night was exceedingly difficult as we try to keep him comfortable. We see no signs that our prayers for healing are in line with God's will. Are in line with God's will. We got stuff we go through in this life. I don't want God in a box. I don't want a drive-through Savior. God, I need a happy meal. God, I need to solve that. I need this financial crisis to go away. Lord, please take this addiction I have. Lord, I've got a problem with alcohol. Bing. Doesn't always work that way. If it be your will. Mitch has done his part, strong, determined, competitive, and tough. Don't begin to do him justice in light of these trials. He has fought the fight and lived up to his last name. We have always said that Whitaker's never quit, and he has always taken it to heart in every area of his life. However, it is now up to Tracy and I to determine when he has suffered enough. Painful is deciding when you're going to let your child go. We are faced with those big decisions that we would rather not think about that I mentioned a few weeks back. I'm determined not to let him suffer anymore. Well done, my son. I'm proud of you. My warrior, my prince, my name, my joy, my Mitch. My heart hurts. My soul is in anguish. Every fiber of my being aches from a place where only our children's heart rests. God knows my pain. He felt the same pain when he offered up his son on a cross for you and I. The father knew whenever his son had suffered enough, so do I. Now the wonderful thing about this time is that Mitchell at this point from there to about September 24th was, uh, all we were giving him was just enough pain medication and saline and when it was done, it was done. And what is so good and how gracious that God is, and, and I, I know in my heart that this is what was going on. Mitchell was meticulous, okay? He was almost a pain in the rear in that way. I mean, he was diagnosed a little bit OCD, a little bit over-anxiety disorder. So that means a lot of questions and not satisfaction with a lot of answers and a lot of follow-up questions. And I'd written in a blog entry on the 26th, which I'm not going to read you, uh, September 26th of 2007, that for those two days, Mitchell was not with us, but he wasn't quite in heaven yet. And I know that he and God were just having an amazing conversation. And, and I, knowing him, I can assure you, that in my time, there were about 48 hours worth of a question and answer session there going on as to, okay, hey, before I, you know, <laughs> I mean, this is the same kid again that took 36 hours in a C-section. So before I leave, you know, this life to the next, I want all these things answered from, you know, whether, how does it work? Do we have video games? Can I play baseball? <laughs> all of those, you laugh. I know I know that was going on, and what I love about that is not because it's funny, and it is funny, but the fact our God is so gracious that he comes to us exactly as we need him, not necessarily how you want him. 
Christ comes to you exactly as you need him. And he knew with Mitchell, he's like, oh, okay. I'm going to have to really make this kid feel good about this situation and make sure that everything is lined out. September 24th. Again, Mitchell's not really with us. He hadn't really spoken in probably four days because he's just there and breathing. And I'm with him, and I'm, I'm right there next to him, just, you know, looking at him. And he opens his eyes, and uh, just as wide as mine are right now, just plainly says to me, keep fighting, and closes his eyes. And those were the last words I ever heard my son speak. What the word says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. And I think I said this earlier, but I'll say it again. Job 23, 10. He knows the way that I take and when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. My feet have closely followed his steps. I've kept his way without turning aside. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Acts 20.24, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Consider all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, James 1, 2 and 3, 1 Timothy 4, 7. I fought the good fight, I finished my course, I've kept the faith. Job 12, I forgot the verse, read the whole thing. The life of every living thing is in, hand, is in his hand, the breath of all, the breath of all humanity. Job, who knew something about pain, you have decided the length of our lives. You know how many months we will live, and we are not given a minute longer. Our bodies now disappoint us, but when they are raised, they will be full of glory. They are weak now, but when they are raised, they will be full of power. Psalms thirty-nine, eleven: human existence is as frail as breath. On September 27, 2007, Mitchell uh, passed away. Again, I, I think he'd been gone... Before that, uh, it was just the end of the final we market to make us feel, you know, better about it. Um, these are the scriptures that the Lord had given me. O oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. Psalms 51.15 But as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. Psalm 71.14 Restore us again, O oh God, our Savior. Psalms 85.4, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Psalms 134.2. So what's our challenge? What's our call to action or where do we go from here? Um, I wrote this and uh, it applies. And I'm preaching to me. You guys just happen to be here. I guess the challenge for all of us is that why does it take something, and I was obviously referencing this event, why does it take something like this that shocks us to our core and makes us ache and yearn for us to truly evaluate our life and how we spend our time? Do not let the passing of this boy or your trials, because again, they're all this, Christ is still the same. He's greater than all of them. Shake you. God has a plan. It is a perfect plan beyond our understanding. This life only makes sense in the, abs in the presence of the Almighty and the framework which He provides. Your circumstances can change on a heartbeat, as our story illustrates, but God does not change. He is always good. He is always love. He's always just. He is always there. There's a great quote, and I'm going to flip back one. Uh, picture there these photos again and God continues to re reveal things to me even after after Mitchell's passing that are blessings this photo is just such a perfect 
illustration, not just for our struggle, but th this is us. This is my fight. I'm all right. I'm giving it everything. You can also look at that picture like this is what I'm holding on to. <laughs> this is what I'm trying to fix in my life. My finances. My I'm here. And you can give it all you got. And at some point, flip. You got to turn it over to your father's hands. And this is a picture of Mitchell and I. This is my hand, his hand, and mine. And when you do that, it all becomes better. It all gets solved. Not necessarily the way you envisioned it when you were here, but when you are in your father's hands, all as well. A couple last thoughts. Uh, the great quote by Alan Redpath, and I don't really know who he is, but he's pretty smart because this is a great quote. There is nothing, no circumstance, no trouble, no testing that can ever touch me until, first of all, it has gone past God and past Christ right through to me. If it has come that far and it has, it has come with a great purpose, which I may not understand at the moment, but as I refuse to become panicky, listen, people, as I lift my eyes up to him and accept it as coming from the throne of God for some great purpose of blessing to my own heart, no sorrow will ever disturb me, no trial will ever disarm me, no circumstance will cause me to fret, for I shall rest in the joy of what my Lord is. That is the rest of victory. And you don't have these back there. I just added these in. This is some great advice from my dad. You should always listen to your dad, uh, or at least your heavenly father. Uh, my, my dad had sent this to me at Father's Day when uh, discussing Mitchell, and it actually applies great today. So what are some things that we can do? We can look up. Hear what the Lord is saying to you today. Look up. You can get up. Life goes on. Doesn't matter if you lose a child. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. Life goes on, and as long as we're breathing, we have a job to do. Fill up. You're not alone, and you don't have to do it on your own power. Christ is readily available. Keep up. Move out and do the God, do the job God has commissioned you to do. Final scripture, or a few. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God and without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Philippians 2, 14, 16. We have the answer to a world that is dying right now. And if I walk away from my painful circumstances without giving witness to a Christ that died on the cross for me, then I have failed. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. 1 Corinthians 2.9 He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him give us all things? Romans 8.22 Romans 5.6-8 Oh, I love this verse. At just the right time, his time, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. <laughs> but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's hope. This is eternal life, to know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you sent. God loved the world this way. He gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not die but have will not die but will have an eternal life. John 17, 3 through 16. My challenge to you as believers and the body, a challenge to me, walk boldly through this life. Walk with confidence. Christ has already paid the price. Christ already has your situation well at hand. Christ loves you more than you could ever possibly fathom. And whatever pain that you're in right now, whatever trials you face, 
He's there. He's ready. And he's willing. And this life was created. All it is is a set of opportunities during which we get the privilege to proclaim his love for us through faith and by his grace. So with that, thank you so much for your time. It's a privilege for me to get to share Christ. Uh, and I appreciate your, uh, appreciate your time. We're going to have a song play that just illustrates it. And then Brother Steve's going to close us in prayer. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. And even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back, I know you are near And I will fear no evil For my God is with me And if my God is with me Whom then shall I fear? Whom then shall I fear? Stand with me this morning. You say, well, Steve, um, I haven't experienced that kind of pain like John has experienced. Mm, yeah, I understand. Some of you are saying, 
And Steve, you don't understand, my pain is worse than what John and his family have experienced. And that's probably true for some of you. But I think we ask the wrong question sometimes. Because I think what happens is when we're experiencing pain, we ask this question, will God be faithful? That's not the right question. Because that answer has already been given. The answer is, regardless of your level of pain, is will you be faithful to go through the pain? God is already faithful. God is faithful. So my challenge, and I think what John's heart is this morning is this, is we're calling you to remain faithful in the pain and to understand that he has a higher purpose and he can, I love the verse of scripture, he can cause you to come out like gold. Father, this morning I pray that you would examine our hearts. And like we talked about last week, we all have different levels of pain that we can endure and some of us can take more it seems like but you're so faithful that you say that you would never put more on us than we can endure and father i pray for those that are going through pain right now and i pray that john's story would encourage them that you can come out on the backside and you can come out like gold pain purifies us And Father, for those that are going through the hard times right now and they're thinking about giving up or they're not sure they can make it or they want to wallow in self-pity, I pray that John's story would be an encouragement that through high levels of pain, gut-riching pain, that you, we would recognize that you will never let us go and that we can hold on to you. Speak to our pain and speak through our pain and help us to discover that you're faithful and help us to respond to that faithfulness with our own faithfulness to proclaim that you are good and your mercy endures And so we hold on to that. I hold on to that as a promise from you, oh God. That whatever I have faced or whatever I will face or whatever I'm currently facing pales in comparison to your goodness and to your mercy. And if you let it come my way, then you must have a lot of trust in me to know that I know where I have to turn and I know who to believe in. So encourage us this morning, oh God, to rest in you, to find our place in you. Lay your hand on your neighbor quickly, and then we're going to dismiss and let you move out. But Father, right now, I pray for the people around me. I pray that those that are enduring a dark night right now, maybe it was a night that started this week, or perhaps it was a dark night that started years ago when we suffered our own loss. Maybe right now we are totally bumping into walls in the dark. We don't know which way to turn. We don't know what to do. Father, I pray that we would suddenly recognize, touch our brothers and sisters and help us to suddenly realize that our one responsibility when it's dark is to point to the light and to hold on to the light. And that light is your son Jesus and the sacrifice that he made. Clearly, it it calls to us that everything can be committed to the Father's hand and you'll work it out. And all our obligation is is to follow you and to walk in your path. And when we follow you, you order our steps and you will bring us on the outside of that thing and we'll look back and we'll see that it purified and it made us better. God, I pray over our brothers and sisters right now, don't let anybody give up. Don't let anybody throw the towel in. Don't let anybody quit. God, I pray that the spirit of Mitchell Whitaker would invade us and we would keep fighting. And when we've been tried, 
when we've been tested. And we come out like gold. Then we'll hear you say, well done. And then we'll point it back to you and say, it was because of you. Your power, your strength, your courage, your sacrifice. In Jesus' name. If you're here and you need extra prayer this morning, and maybe I, I, I know some of you are going through some tough times right now, and we want you to get the prayer you need. Listen, prayer works. John's testimony is that prayer works because it causes the will of God to come to pass in our life. And if you need prayer this morning, as you exit this building and take a left out in the west lobby, our prayer partners are out there. And they're stationed there. They're not there to shoot the breeze with you. They're there just to simply lay hands on you and to agree with you that God will work everything together for our good. God bless us. Send us out. Use us. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Love on somebody this morning. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 